0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Thank you. And we're live. And today's guest is back. Back from the past, back from the future. The first show was wildly popular, and I enjoyed our convo. And most importantly, he was just game for this crazy experience one more time. (laughs) Uh, He's an author, a speaker. He is the conversion scientist. And if you've heard any of my webinars, you know, I talk all about him and the learning lessons from our first podcast. He's also the managing partner of Conversion Sciences. Brian Massey, welcome back. Yay. <laughs> yeah, like nice flat affect
1: yay from the crowd you need, you need a you need a, a clap track or something
0: do i need a noise track well maybe we'll just put a little laugh a little laugh track no we'll put an applause track in there
1: because there's lots of people listening but it just feels so quiet
0: right right so so quiet we need to get some get some noise get some whoops in here well i gotta i gotta say um What's really cool about this is I I dressed for the occasion And, and for those of us joining us on video or those on audio, you won't know, but maybe go check out the video this time. Brian, as the conversion scientist, you are in a lab coat, you're drinking coffee out of a beaker. So I decided to get a lab coat so that I would feel, you know, appropriately dressed for this conversation.
1: Well, have I told you, have I, have I told you the research behind the lab coat? Why it's so effective? Something about smarter. Tell me again. Uh, so the, the area of study is called enclosed cognition. It's the study of the systematic influence of clothing on the wearer and those around the wearer. Um, and they found out that when you put a lab coat on somebody and give them a cognitive test, they'll score about 17% higher on that test than if they're wearing street clothes. So when you put on the lab coat, you really think you're smarter than you are. Right. And they've also found that when someone's wearing a uniform, people will put more weight in their words, will um, believe what they say, are more likely to follow their directions. And so not only do you think you're smarter than you are, but the people around you think you're smarter than you are. And I just, I like using science to get an unfair advantage in such, you know, like that. I think that's what this is all about today. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is it. This is the
0: idea of using science, using experiments, so the theme of experimentation and and science and and how persona and personality and and instincts fit into that. I think this is that's that's what we should talk about. We're gonna geek out on topics like that and and conversational marketing and and testing and all those things. So, you know, tradition holds. Do you recall? Let me pass this back to you. You've held this before. This is Thor's hammer. So go ahead and take that and and uh smash a- am I worthy? am I worthy? Oh, you are worthy, sir. you are worthy. smash something marketing misconception, things that kind of just drive me crazy these days what what's bugging you about bad marketing and uh, what what what's going wrong?
1: Well, the only bad marketing is the marketing that you do twice, so mm. uh, you keep doing what' you're, which what you um Keep doing the same thing over and over again, and, and uh, you're gonna get the same results. And so data is that space where uh, there's a number of things. You, can, you don't have to play it safe anymore. You can actually uh, try some different things, um, especially like this time of the year. A lot of marketing departments are behind on their goals, so they start doubling down, sending more emails, mm-hmm. set, posting more ads but the creative is safe. They don't want to take any chances. And um, people who are a little bit more apt to experiment will take a, a portion of their budget and try something different, something unique. Um, and if they, you know, if they just have a few skills for trying things and, and understanding, well, so how big of a sample size can I really believe? How much do I need to spend to really understand if this ad's going to work or not? Right. Um, the, the better they are at that, the more apt they are to do those sorts of things. And so instead of just throwing more money at the problem, throwing more traffic at the website, uh, they can start throwing better traffic, higher converting traffic, et cetera. Right, so, so really
0: break, break out of the mold, right? Try something new, get creative.
1: Yeah, you don't even have to be crazy, but um, you know, on Friday afternoons, I tend, my you know, the, the phone stops ringing and the appointments are scarce. People leave a little early and so you catch your headspace expands and you right. start to get these different ideas, better ideas. Um, that's kind of my golden time of the week. But then by the time you get back to the office on Monday, you're like, man, eh, I could never sell that. Well, go do an experiment and see if your crazy idea is that crazy or if it really could have an amazing impact on your brand, on your, on your marketing. That's the beauty of experimenting. Why don't more people do that? I think that it is uh still somebody else's job um you know every marketer wears a lot of hats yep and there's something that they're comfortable with so maybe they came up out of the design world and so when they get that the, you know um 4:30 people are leaving the meetings are over put on the headphones and open photoshop uh maybe they came out of the copywriting um or you know english um they were a writer before they moved into marketing. So, you know, they put on the headphones and they open Word or whatever their favorite um, uh, their favorite writing um, document is. Experimenters can do the same thing. We put on the headphones and we settle in and we open analytics or we open our social media tracking um, or we open our Facebook ads or we right. open AdWords and go in and say, all right, I wonder what I've learned from all the money that I've spent this last month. So I think it, it's that thing that it has to be, you know, they, they have to own it. I think um, they have to feel comfortable that they, they can experiment because we're all already wired for this. And um, they've got to give themselves some time and permission to go in and just be curious. It's an amazing, be curious. you know, it's a, it's yeah. a experience for me to go in and just satisfy some of my curiosity about what's going on. Yeah, so
0: much more so than just the status quo maintaining. And I think you said earlier, you're doubling down on the the more bland, uh, the safer content. Safer content typically gets deleted much faster than the weird, curious content. You know, just when we play it safe, we're, it's not going to get better. Our results are not going to get better by tripling the emails we send to someone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I think that when you don't experiment, you begin to believe things like that your brand is fragile. So, I can't send like one crazy email. Maybe I'm going to send an email that is like really personal. I'm going to use first person. I'm going to talk like a human being and I'm going to make a joke. Right. Well, oh, that's going to, that's going to, turn off our business to business customers better. yeah um i think we way underestimate the the um uh, overestimate the fragility of our brands if your brand is that fragile then you you've got a bigger problem than than one or two emails that's true yeah yeah that's true if you've got a platform where you can send it to a subset and and get the data back and and take that creative time put on those headsets and go in and see what happened you're going to start to say wow this is actually helping the brand um I've noticed, so I've um, for about six months now have been really emphasizing in my emails, click reply and talk to me because every one of my emails will come into my inbox and I can reply to it. And um, it's been a really fun and interesting experience having people click and say, oh, thanks very much. And saw you at whatever show and I love your content and um, start conversations that way. So um, click
0: reply and talk to me. I like that. And now it's not scalable, but it's Awesome engagement.
1: Yeah, but I mean uh, only if you're in a only if you're a giant brand does it become unmanageable. True. Um, we've got twelve thousand odd people on our list and it's manageable for me. How many replies do you get? A couple couple thousand, you just kinda stretch out and
0: get settled down to write no no, no 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 huh? It's
1: it's it's dozens. It's it's okay. It's a small number. So I, I think question. it's something that we don't do anymore. People right. don't like click reply because they assume so many of the um, mass emails that we get have no reply at. I mean, how ridiculous is that? No, yeah, we're sending you something to the inbox in a one to one email medium. The medium is one to one, even though this is a mass email, but yeah. we're not going to accept replies from you. It's, I think it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that triggers me like nothing else is that reply all email. You know, I want you to engage, but I want you to engage in this particular way. Follow my my gilded path here and go to my landing page or or click this thing and get this content but don't reply and ask me a question yeah like come on people ah it's the new
1: social media you know you can reply
0: to emails oh right or did you know you can actually engage with people on twitter not just send out all your links to all your blog posts (laughs) yeah i'm a little guilty of that myself well i think Mm -hmm. providing content is cool but the thing that actually grows your, your account has been always for me been engaging, you know. Yeah. And it, when I, when I'm thumbs up and liking and hearting and all the different iconing, other people's cool articles and retweeting them, they're more likely to then take a notice to uh, to what I've got.
1: Yeah. Well, and how is how is Twitter working for you in terms of getting people back to the website and um, finding prospects? That's you know that's the bottom line.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it really takes care in feeding. Um a couple of months ago we really took a took an initiative to kind of get back to it and start actually putting some content out there um because the random and otherwise your your feed becomes uh, maybe a couple of blog articles and then you complaining to Delta about your late flight, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I mean it can be great for that, but if that's your whole feed is just complaining to to corporate brands like come on, like there's no real value in that. Uh but I I I I still see the value in Twitter. I know It's kind of taking some heat, but also, you know, it's not. It's not necessarily the in thing for some of the younger crowd. But I I still. But in some in some ways, it is though. Very much in the business world, it tends to be that way that we can chat without bothering each other too much.
1: Yeah, we get. um, I think we get most of our response from Twitter, but we have our highest conversion rates from LinkedIn, Mm. even though it's much smaller. um, In conversion rates,
0: off of organic or off of paid.
1: Uh, all it's all organic, we aren't doing any, man. It's expensive to advertise on LinkedIn, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, I was actually there was a podcast this morning I was listening to, it was uh Jason Calcanis's podcast, and he was interviewing uh, I forget his name, but he was the director of Demand Gen at, at Calm which is that meditation app. I don't know if you've heard of this it's a meditation app on the, there's like a hundred of them, but this one's pretty popular. It's called calm. And so they, they have like a subscription type of thing where you can mm-hmm. get some meditation. They're like guided meditations, which are really fun to make fun of. But then I've listened to a couple they They're kind of cool. They're just like, okay, focus on your breathing, you know, close your eyes. Here you are, there you are. Cause sometimes telling someone to meditate is like, okay, what do I think about? I'm going to think about, work <laughs> that doesn't help you know so but there's this app calm and so this guy was getting really detailed um you know anyone that it, it was like a little mini master class on on demand gen ad conversions lifetime value cost for acquisition and this guy was just going through how how he how he approaches it and uh it was interesting it was interesting so i don't even know why i started talking about that but whatever we were talking about um
1: Calacanis is interesting yeah yeah how so I just I just like the way he looks at things I like his contrarian attitude Um, you know he's uh, yeah I just I find him very interesting in his approach
0: cool very cool so you know this point you were talking about earlier about you know finding some time for me it's like getting in that flow state I like that Friday idea I think maybe we start a trend where you know everyone else is kind of I don't know checking out on Friday and, you know, maybe you let that sort of task-driven side check out, but you do more of that experimentation on Friday. Maybe mm-hmm. we call it Freaky Friday. I've never heard that movie before, but maybe we call it something like that where we just all kind of, we do that and we, we share our, our thoughts and our experiments on Twitter or something where we're just like, hey, this is experiment I'm thinking about. Or this is what I'm thinking about. And we kind of all encourage each other. But like for marketers to do that on Friday would be kind of a cool thing
1: we have this mass peak experience. Yeah. Put on the headphones and open your favorite whatever app. That's yeah. kind of, that's actually a really interesting idea. Yeah. And then
0: maybe at the very beginning, you could, you could scroll through some of the freaky Friday, freaky Friday marketing things that are happening and see what people, Oh, I'm testing this Facebook thing and I'm testing this conversion thing, or I have, a, I'm going to brainstorm this stuff. And it kind of inspires you to then go and get in your own lab and and test some things out. I think that's a great idea. We should do that. We should like send an email out and kind of like sponsor.
1: Yeah. I wonder if there's some sort of like, uh, if you could do it on a, like a Slack or something like that. Um,
0: oh, that would be cool. But then you got to get people to sign up for your Slack.
1: Or a Twitter chat or something like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, let me just a hashtag,
1: you know, but actually though having, doing something interactive like that kind of ruins the, ruins the purpose of like, just like getting into headspace. Maybe. Right. Yeah.
0: Kind of like put it out there, then check out, you know, you can't, can't do your brainstorming if you're still looking at Twitter 10 minutes later, mm, yeah. turn off the social and, you know, put on the cool music and, and get, get going, get crazy. You know, it's funny, actually I did that last night. Um, you know, sometimes there's always this, maybe we should talk about this too. There's always that idea of like, you got to plan, you got to make plans to make plans of plans and then you build the thing and hopefully the experiment works. But last night I just had this interesting idea. There's a blog post I want to promote. Mm-hmm. I went on went on Facebook and I had not worked with Facebook ads in a while. But I decided to do a little test. You know, do it was a 155 dollar click test to drive some traffic and see what happens. Still running today, and it was just kind of fun. You know, just you know, small impact, but you know, experiment and even I learn and kind of catch up on oh how is Facebook doing it these days? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, we did it as yeah, that sort of thing as kids. It's like, what can I build today? What happens if I, you know, use this bucket in the sandbox and and stack it on top? How tall can I make this? Um, and you know, we lose it in the pressure of our day-to-day jobs and our fear that, um, our ideas won't be accepted by our teammates and our, mm. our bosses and, um, we did a podcast with um, Dr. Diane Hamilton and she's got a curiosity code index yes. thing has she been on yours no but i'm i'm
0: i'm about we're about to cuz i love that episode by the way, so be, what what no is it a numbered episode or just look up maybe just throw out your podcast so people can, uh, Uh,
1: it's intended consequences and we can have a conversation about podcasting because we've gone back and forth as to whether it had to have the numbers, don't have the numbers. (laughs) At some point I think uh, Apple was frowning on the numbers, but then everybody's like, well, if I want to tell somebody to watch episode number, you don't know what episode number it is. So, Oh, the numbers. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, right now we're in the middle of the question on that, but intended consequences. It'll be uh, um, curiosity and creativity. Are the okay? Is the title of the podcast that's okay. on uh, Apple right? and all those places. Apple and Stitcher and um, all of those other pod pod places. Got Google. it. Google.
0: So you have like the new Google there.
1: Podcast app.
0: Oh, you do. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, well, we should definitely talk about podcasts. But I, I want to bring it back to the reason you even brought up Diane in the first place was the, about. Um, it's almost like that the element of being a kid and, and as you mentioned that that movie big came to mind you know um and if you haven't seen this and you're out there please go watch this as research for work just <laughs> leave work early watch this movie uh but no tom hanks goes back yeah you know become actually you know, he goes forward he becomes an adult when he's julius the kid and he's in this corporate setting and i remember my favorite one of my favorite scenes is when they're presenting this new toy he gets a job at a toy store for being silly and the the ceo is like i'm silly too and they kind of have a silly moment so uh he's in this meeting and they're like well the depth charts show this and uh this is what our our studies show that um it was a transformer type thing where Mm -hmm. it was a a, uh, a dinosaur that turns into a building and he's picking it up and the arm falls off and he's like Quite, he raises his hand like a kid. Question, um, what's so fun about this? <laughs> and they're like, whoa, well, clearly our, our research shows X, <laughs> Y, and Z. But he was just a kid, not afraid to be incorrect or, you know, be kind of dancing in the politics of the organization and just say, hey, this isn't fun. How about it? Yeah. An- and then immediately everyone's like, whoa, an insect? An insect that turns into a, a robot? Oh my gosh, this is great. And then the people that pitched it in the first place were so
1: furious. It
0: was, it was a good scene. You know? It kind of reminds us to, to be like a kid.
1: Well, and that is exactly a situation where marketers need to be smart because agencies or their paid search team or their research team are bringing them data And if they don't have a little confidence around experimenting, they don't know how to value that data. So, you know, research from focus groups, it's small sample size, it's people pretending to be your customers. It's um, the human brain wants to tell you what they think you want to hear because we're all social and nice people. And so focus group data is it's not reliable, but it is a data point that can guide you towards, okay, this is the direction we should go. These are the things we should test. Now, where can we find something more quantitative, larger sample size? Could we put this in front of some of our actual customers, a lot of our actual customers? Um, The things that then make the data feel more believable give you more confidence on it. And that's a part of the learning curve of experimentation is understanding this relationship. But we already know, I think I, uh, last time I was on, I told the son the story about my son, Sean, and you know, he was trying to decide between two motherboards for this, um, this computer he was building. this really important computer. Right. And uh, one was four star one was five star, but he knew to go and check how many, reviews were driving uh, those ratings. Yes. Yeah. So he knew intuitively to check the sample size, although he would never use that language. We, we already know how to do this. Chip off the old block right there. I guess so. He might even be smarter than me. He's killing it. Version 2.0. <laughs> uh, version 4.0. 4.0. Well, I, this, is, this
0: is a good topic. I'm glad we sort of evolved into this. It's like, okay, that's experiment. But then using data, I wonder if... I mean, even just the word. I mean, data and and focus groups and all these things come into play. Do, is that like something that we're not as clear on? You mentioned to be able to do this testing, you gotta you gotta own it, gotta be comfortable, have some confidence, understand. You, you have your ideation, but then you also need that data side. How, what do you suggest? How do people get that confidence on that on the testing and the data and the numbers side?
1: So I think the biggest barrier is, number one, um, confidence that you don't have to be um, a data scientist or a PhD to do this. Okay. Um, you know, we give out lab coats to our, our customers and partners when they've demonstrated that they have earned their lab coat. And these are people who don't Seriously? have a college. Yes, yes. They don't have, there's people that, that don't have a college degree. There are people who are Russian literature majors from all walks of life wow. and they can get it. So I think that's the first step is accepting that you're able to do this. And then the second thing is when you when you do experiment, a lot of experiments fail. Uh-huh. They, your, your great idea that you're sure was going to work doesn't pan out and that kind of gives you a, a – a, you've got to be comfortable with that failure. You've got to be okay with, with like, oh, you know, I spent – I spent $155 and, and two hours of my time in the week and turned out that that wasn't a good idea. You've got to get comfortable with that and know that as you work through those, you're going to hit on those things that are like, whoa, now I'm a genius. Um, I think that's the other thing that kills that experimenting. If you measure it in terms of the things that we're typically measured by, then um, right. Uh, it can, it can shoot you down. So that's, those are the main things. So a lot of
0: experiments can fail just being aware of that. And it's okay in the science world. I mean, 99 different tries and you know, number 100, you know, gets you penicillin or however many times they tried and they looked mm-hmm. at the orange and the fruit basket. Um, it's okay in that realm. I think sometimes that politics enters into, you know, if I'm wrong all the time, I need to have some wins. But the wins do come. I, I like what you said. It also matches what we said earlier. Just don't do it twice, right? Learn from if it doesn't work. Well, what what part of that didn't work, and what can I take with me going forward? So that way, it's a lesson. I mean, if this Facebook ad does nothing, uh, I will have learned way more than $155. Um, actually, I made it per click, so they haven't. They don't have any money yet. <laughs> but I will have learned way more than uh, than that spend in terms of. The advertising the positioning setting it up the targeting uh it's a gr- you know it's a great lesson learned anyways but mm-hmm. um but to your point, yeah, things will fail just don't do it twice and, and learn from it each time that's cool
1: yeah well, and when you when you do have successful experiments, there's nothing more impressive than like dropping into your weekly or your monthly uh report some of these graphs from analytics or heat maps from crazy egg uh It's, it's quite impressive and everybody, everybody gets it. So um, like, dang, you did that. (laughs) Do it again (laughs) from our brand, from our brand research. That's one of the things that marks our clients is that um, they're smart and they want, they want to be smart. They want to, they want to like align with those sorts of things. And so all I'm trying to do is show more marketers that uh, they already are pretty smart. Already are pretty smart. I like that. Well, as a, as a, as a manager, do you want a, a team of safe marketers? Or do you mm. want a team that has a bunch of experimenters in it? Really? What do you want? That's a great question. <laughs> it is a great question. And it's not, it's it, it, as a, as a manager, I think you're going to have to learn how to manage experimenters. Cause if someone spends two hours and a thousand dollars and you know, every week for three weeks and there's like, Oh, no winner. Oh, no winner. Oh, no winner. Um, you have to like figure out, all right, is this okay? So you, you, um, I I think there's a a set of skills there, um, that, um, maybe I should, maybe I should spend a few blogs talking about what I think think are the skills because I can't, I can't enunciate them clearly. It always comes back to get comfortable with failure.
0: You know, it sounds a lot like baseball. I didn't play baseball growing up. Um, well, on a team per se, but uh, my son's doing a little softball. But yeah, the whole the whole baseball thing, right? I mean, these people. If you look at batting averages, I mean, what's a good batting average? It's, I mean, they're they're fractions, they're decimals, they're <laughs> you know, it's not even a majority of the time. It's like, oh, majority of the time I get a hit. No, not really. But, uh, but it's a greater than zero. And same thing with pitchers. Um, you know, no one's perfect, but more often than not, they're striking people out. So it's like, can I get that? You gotta get that occasional home run. I mean, what are they talk about, like Babe Ruth and Big Poppy in Boston, and all those different people. I mean, it's the occasional home run that won the game that made that guy a star, not the fact that you know the other eight times he was at bat, he struck out like a like a noob.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's an interesting metaphor because you know, if you were uh, a Cubs fan for for decades, <laughs> you could be sitting in the stand collecting box scores, and that's one of the things that baseball is known for its data richness. And people you know, track the box scores, they track the earn run average, they check the, they track the uh, strikeouts per game, they you know, all of those things. You're right. Um, but you're measuring it for a losing team. And it wasn't until more recently that the money, you know, Moneyball, the book and the movie, where they said, why don't we take some of this data and start using it to decide who we should be recruiting. Um, And that is the distinction. Everyone uh, everyone who's in digital marketing has data sitting around. You've got analytics running under your website. If you're advertising, you've got AdWords, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, the data is there you're just probably measuring a losing team. How do you take that data, spend a little headphone time with it and say like, wait a minute, there's a trend here. These things are correlated. I wonder if it's causal. Let's go in and find out.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me, I have a a buddy of mine, Zach Pines, if you've met him, but he calls himself the money ball marketer. Oh yeah, smart. Cool term. Um, and the alliteration, you know, you get bonus points for that, the M-M. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> but tell me about the causation, the cor- the correlation, because I, I know it's like a, it's, it's an important concept you, you're supposed to hear about in school, but I don't
1: think- Well, let me give you an example. So um, if you're running a um, catalog e-commerce site, um, you can set up Google Analytics to track site search. So sure. what are people typing into your site search? And if you um, look at the segment of people that do site search mm-hmm. uh, and you compare their conversion rates to the number of people that don't do site search or to the site average, which includes both people that do and don't, right. we typically find a two to three X in, uh, improvement in conversion rate and average order value hmm. for people who do search. Okay. So that's a correlation. So the hypothesis becomes, well, if we can get more people to search, then that'll that'll raise our conversion rates. Right. But the question is, do people who search buy more or do people who are ready to buy search more? Right. So we don't know if the search bar is the cause or if um, it's just an effect that I know what I want. I know what I'm looking for. I'm ready to buy. I'm, so search is the quickest way to get there. So as experimenters, we spend a lot of time, number one, finding these correlations and then seeing if we can use that correlation as a cause and effect sort of thing. Right. Um, and with some of our customers, we'll run a test that will test, test causality, get more people to search and see if we see that, that same conversion rate. And sometimes we see a cause and sometimes we don't. So not all audiences are the same, right? Um, so so some we still look at, and some we still test,
0: right? This, that's a really helpful example, and it makes sense too. Okay, so when a search is a part of your journey, then you're most likely to buy. But we're not sure if if that was like just an indicator that, to your point, you know, people that are searching were more likely to buy anyways, or that the act of searching encouraged them to buy and it was helpful. So did you then drive a bunch of people to try to get more searches and then see if that,
1: yeah, our playbook calls for, if we see like a three X effect, it calls for um, using um, for instance, we did a timed overlay. If somebody is on a page and not interacting for a while, we'll pop up a search box. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is make the search box bigger um bring it down more uh, closer to the uh, the main navigation sometimes the search is way off in the corner right. so anything that will um make it more visible um and get more people to use search and then we just we do a comparison of typically we'll do an ab test to see if the higher search volumes actually result in um higher conversion rates and uh, more revenue revenue per visit is typically what we track
0: do you re- recall what the case was in this Situation.
1: Uh, yeah. One, so I think the general rule is this, um, how important the, the question is how important is discoverability in this particular case? Hmm. So one of our clients was Tygon and they're like Etsy. So they're a website of stores, they're ah. a, a site of stores. So discoverability was really a big thing because, you know, you wanted to go and, and find out if they had shoes or if they had, uh, Salsa, or you know, sure. there was a, a wide variety of things that were offered on that site. And so, in that case, whenever we made search more evident, put it in front of more people, it definitely drove a higher revenue per visit. Um, on uh, apparel sites and stuff, we have had less discoverability. It doesn't seem to be um, as as important. People are more browsing. I think there's more browsing behavior than. Um, uh, finding specific categories of things or specific shops. Got it. That's our current hypothesis.
0: Got it. So you make a hypothesis and test it out. And, and, but don't just assume that that part was the cause. You know, this kind of ties into a lot of the work we've been doing lately in marketing automation and CRM. It's getting into that multi touch attribution modeling, the idea Mm. of, you know, initially I'm in my favorite is first touch. Like at least if I can tell for the most part where I think I got you from with the best accuracy I can possibly get, then I can go back to that particular area and probably get more people like you (laughs) to acquire them, um, or to, to come become customers. But then that multi touch, like midway through our sales relationship, you attended this webinar or you, um, I don't know read this white paper so the people that read this white paper are more likely to become customers is that because they read the white paper or were they just better buyers who are more likely to buy anyways and so they actually were reading your content
1: yeah yeah well and uh, so attribution is is thorny and I'll, I'll be honest with you we don't spend a lot of time with attribution because mm-hmm. Uh, you can spend a whole lot of time and only get incrementally better at understanding those things. Sure, what we prefer to do is um, take the funnel apart. So first thing you want to do is make sure that you have measurement all the way through. That's actually a bigger problem than you know how many visits, how many touches, which pieces of content, which pieces of which, where, where people interacted with you. That's more important, and that's the biggest missing thing. Is We often can't have, don't have visibility all the way through to the CRM Got to get it. an idea of, of how things are being closed. But um, a better question for us is we'll look at a piece of content, like a, the webinar, I would say, yep. and um, we will ask, um, how, mon- how valuable was that? In other words, um, uh, did that particular thing drive a large amount of traffic? Right. Uh, revenue, lead generation, whatever you're optimizing for. Um, and um, if you find things that are either underperforming or performing really well, those are both um, op- opportunities for optimization. Right. Um, something that's really performing well, you can often find additional um, uh, results from that by optimizing it. So we tend to look at the pieces, as a part of the funnel and also um, we tend to have specific paths for specific things, so there's a little bit less, uh, you know, like a homepage traffic can come from anywhere. Attribution's right. a nightmare, right. um, but it's just the way it's just the way people enter. You. So that's a situation where you you just got to really pull it apart. But mm-hmm. ads to landing pages, um, people taking a step, get their email address, yeah. get them to buy something inexpensive, get them to buy you know buy again, the, the, uh, and then reduce your churn, those sorts of things. um, We can take a little bit more piecemeal.
0: I like that. What I got from that was understand the final result, be able to connect that full process together. Did it turn into a win? Can you see that this thing did actually end up buying from start to finish first? And I, it makes a lot of sense to me and then zoom in on different areas and optimize Almost like locally, like go local and try to optimize a particular part of that process um, or a particular asset, a particular webinar, something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the more attribution, the more your attribution model grows, the smaller the slices you have to optimize it from an A-B testing standpoint, the sample sizes get too small to really do that. So um, it's one of the the disadvantages of of A-B testing. And And there are other ways to test.
0: Do you think everyone has the ability to test or everyone we're talking about personality? And, and I know we talked to Colby last time, which is more of an instincts type test. Do you think, do you think some people, if, if they're not really hip on testing, that's cool. Um, or is just people haven't been the, given the opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's uh, as it like to my earlier analogy, I think that there are certain people that are drawn to design, drawn to writing, mm. Um, and I think, I think there are personalities that are more easily drawn towards data. But the, the problem is that every marketer is writing, every marketer is designing True. because we wear so many hats. True. Um, you know, if they're not doing the design work, they are reviewing and, and uh, approving and modifying. So, um, it's just another thing marketers have to do. Um, and I would argue it's every bit as rewarding and creative as design and writing, and and, um, project management's even pretty creative, so.
0: Yeah, you know, the rewarding part, that's a really good point. I think sometimes the challenge for me was before we were able to connect to revenue at the back end, I didn't know if I was having any effect. All I knew was activity metrics, and it was like, okay, well, I sent a million emails out, but what did that even do? But now Mm -hmm. we start seeing some ROI, you got these leads from this event, and they turned into the, all this business. That's fantastic. It's great seeing that. It's a little slower, but what an interesting point. I'm just like, like the aha moment was, it, it can be fun, like a sm- a small reward instead of some big feast. It might be a little piece of candy here to be able to say, huh, I just learned something, or I just saw something happen. And and you kind of get a little bit of that feedback loop that where normally marketing we're so we're so big picture, you know, sales gets that immediate high of go hit the gong, you know, you close this deal, even if it was like a six month deal, you have that understanding. Sometimes when we're in the lab and if we don't have a defined test, we're just constantly trying to iterate, but we don't but if you have those wins, it can kind of be you kinda
1: kinda mark the occasion. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, it's a the question is where do you get your dopamine squirts? Yeah, like for uh, you know a project manager crossing something off a lift gives a little yes. a little reward um wow. <laughs> um going in and and you know writing an amazing headline. Um and it's it's absolutely the same with data and for me it's uh, it's, it's it is addicting because I I'm always interested in going in and all right, what what am I missing here? What could be what could be causing this? Right. Are there any correlations I'm not aware of. So I, I can see you going into your, your office with,
0: you know, floor to c- ceiling books and sitting back in a, a high back leather chair with like a, a brandy and going like,
1: <laughs> why
0: are these results uh, happening the way they're happening? Kind of like, like sort of sifting it around in the glass and being like, ah, oh,
1: I, I know it. You have a good imagination. Like Dr. Um,
0: House. You're like the Dr. House of the marketing world. <laughs>
1: Yeah, hopefully I'm not quite as abrasive, but nice it, that's exactly it. It's like, all right, here's an idea. Go run the test. Here's an idea. Go run the test. <laughs> yeah, that's all he's doing is failing six or seven times until he gets to the end and is like, "I'm so smart because I figured it out." Yeah, it took uh, you it could, to right. ten it could failures.
0: Be, it could be an infection. Go test for that. Nope, not an infection. All right. I mean, the whole sh- if if he just immediately guessed it, the show would be over in five minutes.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There'd be no so drama. Th- it's the same with data. There'd be no there's there is drama in data. That's a great analogy. I'm gonna go watch that show a little bit
0: more. You should. You should. And if next show we, we chat together, you you have a limp and a cane, I'm gonna go, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you one thing that I do find fun and, and exhilarating when in that kind of space is writing with dry erase markers on windows. Like he did, he did that or he'd be like standing on some random, you know, the shelf of a conference room running on a window. How cool is that? You know, your backdrop is the outside world as opposed to some, you know, opaque dry erase board in the office.
1: Have you tried it though? yeah you can't see everything's it everything's unreadable you can't read anything, but it feels so it's cool. actually the worst place to write anything <laughs>
0: but it feels like you're breaking the rules though so <laughs> someone in housekeeping is like uh oh. <laughs> what's going on what should the i erase this yeah right should i <laughs> You don't do not wash window you don't even know um yeah yeah drying on drawing on windows, so all right, so let's get into podcasts i I think you had mentioned earlier you're doing some research and 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 people that see you what was that people that see you just they buy from you or those that see you present
1: oh yeah so um our our like sixty percent of our long term customers customers that have been with us for like three years okay came into the fold after seeing me present wow, and I mean, I present somewhere between 12 and 20 times a year. So it's not like I'm, I'm out on the road all the time. The sad part is that they contact me a year to 18 months on average after they saw me speak. So it is a long lead time sort of a thing. And we're like, all right, so how do we, how do we maximize this? There's apparently something about um, seeing me in person that builds trust. um, And then that, and that you know that bodes well and and they stay with us long enough for us to to really build a partnership um and our thought was, well, maybe we can use the podcast to do that
0: right
1: and um you know, I love to do uh, podcasts like this, but mm. we thought, well, why don't we accelerate that? Maybe this is a more scalable way to do presentations um and hopefully if if more people are hearing it it won't have this 18 month lead time um uh, right. before they they reach out and
0: call Or it does but, get more of them so yeah
1: yeah but i you know i have a long view um and so i'm fine with that if it's mm-hmm. if that's what it takes so we invested in intended consequences and um you know so much of our Blog has become SEO oriented. That I'm glad I've got this new creative outlet where I can have fun, uh, have interesting conversations. I always write a and record a, um, a specific intro, where I get to just do whatever I want. There's no yeah. SEO saying, "Well, what concept are you going after? Is this competing keyword, with keyword, our other pages?" Keyword, keyword, keyword yes. Keyword. Yeah. So um, that I like, and uh, we've been we're uh, right at six months. It is a, a long-term investment. So we'll just see. The thing that I hate the most about podcasting is how unmeasurable it is. Mm. No feedback. There's no, uh, we, we don't have the, the analytics of podcasting in the podcast players. There's no way to get that data back. We get a little, we can get plays out of Apple. right? Um, so it's for that segment of people, but. Like you get um, downloads, but you don't necessarily know how long they went exactly and you know a podcast player will download the whole thing all the episodes you know every time they come out and just yeah. they get listened to they get oh i hadn't thought of that you're right like if
0: if you subscribe an apple and it's gonna auto download it's gonna just they may it. not have listened oh no that you, you're shattering my world <laughs>
1: that's a good point <laughs> so we glad have, i could do that for you i don't have
0: you. four listeners <laughs> It really is just my dad and his app downloading automatically every time on his three laptops.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's gotta get downloaded before it's listened to. So it's true. Uh it's a feasible proxy right. for for listens. So right. you know, um if there was a way to do a correlation, I would tell you, yeah, we did a correlation of downloads to listens. And now there is a, a um there's a new a site called chartable which is yeah. trying to do a better job of giving us data but it's just the limitation of the medium so Isn't that that's just downloads too it is it is downloads but they also uh it it yeah it is downloads they are they, they do a little prefix on the url so right. i think they're getting some insight into listens as well
0: right okay listens as well.
1: um and they um they have a really nice um uh, URL shortener attached to data. So as you okay. share on, on social media, you can see how many people are opening that MP3 file.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd seen Chartable and I think we're going to probably set it up, but it, it kind of aggregates all your data. Our, our podcast, who, who are you, where are you hosting it at?
1: We're at Libsyn. Libsyn. Okay. I'm using Podbean. There's something all of the podcast hosts seem to be like still using their 1990s designs. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what the yeah, deal yeah. is. They're focused on the back end. I guess that makes sense. Well, they're they're all they're still all like overseas,
0: I think. Um overseas productions. I think. oh
1: are they really? I didn't realize
0: that. Yeah. So you need you need some mainstream Palo alto funded podcast hosting platform. Well, I guess Anchor might fit that. I don't know if you've heard of Anchor.
1: I haven't heard of Anchor. I've used Blueberry for my previous podcast, which was mm. just a read the article podcast. Okay. Um but that actually grew pretty, pretty quickly. I might do some, some episodes. I might experiment with some episodes where I'm just reading some of my best content into the microphone. Because I, I, like, I listen to 10 books on audio for mm-hmm. every one that I read on paper. So
0: Me too. Me too. I, and sometimes I'll just re-listen to some of my favorite books on audio just because it puts me back in that world if it's fiction. Or you know, the narration is great and you just want to hear that again. And you've got a great voice for narration.
1: Why, thank you,
0: thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, um, what one thing I wanted to tell you about there's um, you should check out there's a awesome combo I had with Michael Greenberg a couple episodes ago, and uh, he is so far beyond me in the podcast world, like, I'm geeking out on I love it, uh, but in terms of using it for content creation hit in the whole show is called don't do a blog, do a podcast, mm-hmm. start with a podcast and then use that content and then repurpose it all. And you can go from an hour long conversation into many, many articles as well as uh, I think he said, if you have an hour or 50 minutes, you can do, you can actually do a, like a mini book, like a, like a booklet or um, uh, an ebook is what he said. So there's all these different things where you can just repurpose that whole conversation get it transcribed and then get it out on social, get it out on, you know, all the blogs and all those other kind of places. And you didn't have to like create it from scratch and start from the editing side.
1: Yeah. I think that the trince and the transcribe me, um, of the world, um, what's the other one? Rev, I guess. Rev, mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, I think they're missing out because they're like, all right, here's your transcription. That'll be, for an hour or something like that. Um, Oh, it's cheaper. now. Some of them. Yeah, I think it is getting cheaper. Yeah. But you know, Trent's going to a subscription model. That's fine. But if I could, it's, you know, my choices are, I can get this as a a, doc, a word doc or RTF or text. Why couldn't I click, um, two podcasts? Why couldn't I click? Um, I would like, I, I would like this as a, um, slide share so if i w- yeah. uploaded a, a, a webinar right um, a slide share with audio over it or uh, you know just there's a number of different things you could do um, i would like this as an ebook mm-hmm. you know i think that these transcription services are just missing the boat so
0: right and uh, you know michael brought up that while they're missing the boat they are actually empowering everyone else to do those same kind of services because when transcription was a human or was really expensive it was, it was you know, cost prohibitive, but now it literally is like six dollars or five dollars for an hour because of. So how are they making money? I mean, gosh, no one wants to be it, in that business. App, you know, it, it it just does its thing and so yeah. you know, it's quality.
1: Well, if you're if you're a content agency, I think that this should be your thing, is because it fixes the problem of the content creator in your agency understanding the business that they're creating for, right? Just send me the webinar, send me the podcast. I'll listen to it. I will understand. And you know, transcriptions are It takes a lot of time and a lot of work to get a transcription to, um, to readable format. But sure. So, I mean, but those are the, you know, thousand dollar projects, you know, if, if I could pay, if I could reliably pay $500 for an ebook for every one of my podcasts, it's kind of a no brainer because that makes all yeah, of my do pages that? Do that? converting. Yes. How many,
0: how many pages for your ebook
1: do you want? Uh, well, so I've got a 30 minute podcast. It's probably going to be more of a report summary, okay. but you know, uh, a, a good content company will go and find relevant images to drop in there or. So 500 bucks. <laughs> I would do 500 bucks for a, for a webinar. So that you would have some graphics. That's what I think going from a webinar to an ebook, a webinar to series of blog posts, a webinar to 12 social media posts, um, featuring a landing page or do my landing page as well. Do my landing page for the ebook, then write my blog posts uh, or my uh, social media posts that are going to drive people to that landing page. Right. Build my list. That's, I mean, that's a $2,500 deal right there. Yeah. Um, If it's a, you know, if it's a big enough audience out there, we, oh, you know, we is. look to, we look to get subscribers right now. I think we get them for four or $5 right now. Okay. And we'll take those all day and night. So because they get on that, that thought
0: process and, or your thought leadership starts trucking in and then they eventually hear you speak on a podcast and maybe sign up.
1: Yeah, well, once they get on my list, then I've got a, a constant flow of, of content and stuff to keep them educated and interested.
0: How's the podcast going? How, how's it been?
1: You know, how's, so it's growing great, um, and we are um, syndicating it on Webmaster Radio, Okay, um, actually taking that content over to Landing Page Optimization is the name of the, um, the show on Webmaster Radio, and that already had a following, uh, Tim Ash founded that. And yeah. 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 Um, so he, he gave me permission to take over that, that feed. So, but webmaster radio is not, is even worse. (laughs) So they have this homegrown, Uh, their system is is made for live broadcasts. Like you get on and you, you have your three o'clock on Wednesday's show and you do it. Um, and so that's what their system was built around. Podcasting is kind of an afterthought for them, so we have even less data on that. But got it. Um, you
0: know, I did a webinar two days ago, and and I, and I'm I encourage people to ask questions on it, so it's not just that really boring. I do video on it, so you can see my crazy face, and just trying yeah. to make it very lively, very much different than a boring class at school, a boring webinar, corporate, right? Just trying to just mix it up. Um, my style and it makes it more fun for me. And I'm just like, Hey, please engage, ask questions, say things. And one of the questions people ask, people asked in the chat and in the middle of the webinar was, is this a recording? Oh, no kidding. <laughs> and I was like, what was his name? I don't know, but like, I'm like, no, Fred, this is live. How you doing? <laughs> you have a question? Ask it. Thanks for coming. He's like, oh, okay, it's live.
1: <laughs> well, and that whole art around um, getting people to take an action at the end of the uh, the webinar is mm. um, that is an art. So you're like, all right, everybody who's interested in moving forward with us, hang on. The rest of you guys can go. Right. And you know, it creates this um, uh, this social joining effect where you're like, oh, I'm a part of the people who are staying on, oh, and so, so people are more likely to. Take advantage yeah, of whatever offer you yeah. have.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: There's a there's a whole there's a whole science to it, but webinars are very effective. The hardest part right now is, is in our market, so we deal with the marketers. They see a lot of webinars. Yeah. They put on webinars. Yeah. So the, the the attendance rates I've seen go from I was averaging about fifty percent a few years ago to twenty percent, ten percent. So much so that I, I haven't done a webinar in over a year now. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: mine have been that way. I mean, oh, ninety three signups, and then you, you know, thirty attendees. And I get it; things get in the way. Uh, but yeah, it's it's much different.
1: Yeah, much different. and you can argue that. Well, at least you got their contact information. But on the webinar, again, human voice and teaching them something, giving something yes. of value, and then being able to bring them to to make a decision at the end is that's really what you want.
0: Right, right. So, I mean, the podcast is, other than the visual, I mean, we have the visual here, but you know, most people are listening to this. Uh, but other than the visual, podcasts, can, you can still do a lot of those things you just mentioned, the different kind of things you want from a webinar. Teach people.
1: Yeah, I think the culture of podcast is a little bit different, or at least that's what oh, my tell podcasting me. agency is. They're like, we don't want to be promotional. We really want to be... Um, podcasting is not a lead generation medium by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. I do a little bit at the end of my podcast. It's like, all right, when you get back to the office, assuming that they're listening to it, you know, commuting into the office yeah. or, or driving around, um, go do these things. And so it, um, hopefully it tweaks them to think about me when they sit down at their desk, but nah, it's not a lead generation medium. It really is uh, trust building, credibility building, and that's why it's, it's long form, but still you want to know what audience you're, you know, how big that audience is growing. Right. Um, ours is doing, ours is doing well just from organic. We, we haven't been advertising it or anything like that other than, um, jumping onto, um, the best sure. podcasts.
0: Other podcasts. I think that, that helps. And I would say some of the other, the values I've seen from the, the podcast or these kind of connections, like me getting to not only learn from you, but get to know you. So if we're ever at conversion conference together or something, we're like, hey, you know, like we've Mm -hmm. legitimately chatted for almost three hours, you know, directly. That kind of, you kind of get to know people that way. Whereas, you know, normally we don't really have that much time having a conversation with someone. So there's that, I don't call it network, but that sort of like connections that you can get um, and the learning that you can get, the content you can create out of it. Um, I have one friend that, he uh he's created this podcast and he interviews uh, heads of machine shops and it ties into what his business does and whatnot. And he was telling me, you know, this is fantastic. I don't it doesn't even matter if anyone's listening. This is this is amazing. I'm learning. I get to work with these machine shops. They get to and you know, they get to be on a show and and so he's just he's just all about it. It's just such a different world, whereas some of my B2C friends, they need people to be on it because they want to drive people to that shopping cart to make that purchase and if they're not then what's the point of it whereas in the b2b side it's you're right it's a different you know if you if you get all salesy people are like what is that like i don't want to mm-hmm. hear an infomercial i want to hear a conversation and p- people joking about things with each other and that kind of thing
1: yeah yeah and i think there is there's a segment of the marketplace that it's effective for and and uh, this experiment is really for me to understand what segment of my market this this medium is going to be effective for
0: Feedback's hard too, though, right? Like, I don't know if you've heard from people that listen
1: to it. I haven't. So yeah, um, right? <laughs> in six months, um, I don't have uh, any anecdote other than people that are close to the business and feel like they, they should listen to it uh, and are close enough to that that they can give me some feedback. Um, haven't yet heard anybody say, uh, yeah, I was calling to ask about your services. I heard, you know, I heard your podcast. So I'm waiting for a few of those anecdotal things as experimenters. Like we know that that's not conclusive data, but it is a pointing in the right direction. It's one data point that we can use amongst the other things. So this is our, this is a very, um, uh, this is one of those experiments that you would normally say, Oh, it's too much work. It's too much expense. Um, but the experiment happens along with all these secondary benefits which is as i said um i get to be more creative i've got more frequency on my blog because every mm-hmm. one of my podcast generates a blog post um and uh, just really thinking through you know how i talk and think about uh, the marketing message which um i love this podcast this one in the previous interview for that very reason right you have to the experiment has to have uh, this experiment has to have more of these ancillary values than than just with the button. right. Otherwise, if you're just going off
0: of you know just straight numbers, you know it would be hard to justify in the normal sense. Just you're probably just like it was when people were doing traditional marketing and they were trying to get digital, and justify that, though quickly digital caught up and was like, here's a thousand stats you don't get from a billboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And took over so it'd be great for podcasts to catch up in that regard as well and and uh, start you know sharing some more stats almost like the YouTube type stats YouTube will tell you how much was watched maybe not to the person but it'll, it'll give you more of that trending data of people actually watching the whole thing or what are they doing um, in terms of that podcast
1: yeah if there was a player out there and I'm welcome if any of the listeners want to send yeah. me an email it's Brian at conversion sciences I answer my email uh, is there a player out there that provides data? And if so, I will on every podcast promote that player, and and um, so that at least some segment of my audience, I'm getting data on. So it's that's where we need it is is in the players, for sure. And what's
0: what's fascinating is that you know Podbean and some of these other, um, you know, several people are actually listening. Several people, four <laughs> four hundred people are listening. Uh, One hundred thousand people are listening. Four million people are listening on the Podbean app and I would expect the Podbean app to give me way more stats than whatever they get passed through Apple you know because mm-hmm. it's their own app so come on Podbean give me more data let's go and then I'll promote your app as opposed to just allow people to go on Stitcher go on these other places and
1: yeah the, the it's the hostings it's the hosting platforms that seem to be providing the data but all they all they know is how many downloads it's right it's, right um so blueberry has a fairly good package um libsyn has a good package but it it stops at the download um the um chartable is attempting to get verified plays huh so that that's the that's the piece of the puzzle that i'm I'm interested in they also track seven day downloads and 30 day down 30 day downloads so you can see who's getting it like right after it launches and and oh. that's a good indicator for people who are subscribed probably. Right. So uh, anyways, uh, I'm just now starting to explore that sort of data. Hopefully they have an API and I can pull it into a spreadsheet and geek out. Right.
0: Hey, it, you know, honestly, if it's fun though too, I think you mentioned the freedom to be able to create and not be restricted by your normal, you know, playbook of seo and yeah making sure things are optimized if it's fun i think that drives a lot of it for me uh, i knew that i needed to create content but at the same time this is a friggin' blast so if i could do this all day every day i'm pretty sure i would um so it, it kind of it works out nicely in that regard at least and then you, you hope that the trailing indicators and catch up to the uh the amount of fun that you're having and kind of balance it out
1: what are we, what have we not covered so far? This has been a fairly wide ranging conversation. Yeah, I kind of like
0: that. You know, I kind of like that too because at, on the second time, um, I I already know you. I, I've asked you your life story, and so this it's almost more of just like two marketers in lab coats sitting down, chatting about <laughs> what you know. By the way, this is fun to kind of flip it to the side and put my hand in my pocket, like I'm. Yeah,
1: on, so. makes you look like McDreamy.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, here I am, doctor. But yeah, I like the freedom of these too, and uh, it, we can kind of just go off and just explore and actually have that even even more unscripted conversation. So I think the the one thing that we haven't necessarily chatted about yet was just what it, what's exciting you lately. And you know, maybe that was already answered by the podcast is happening now. But I don't know if there's anything else that that you, is exciting you, and I'll and I'll share one of the things that is kind of crazy with me too. Um, you know, I think.
1: So I started writing about conversion optimization in 2006 on my blog. Wow. And we I really wasn't even built born
0: yet at that point.
1: Uh, <laughs> you look great, man. I do. <laughs> I age well. <laughs> um yeah, back, you know, closer to the turn of the century and um you know, we built uh this business on early adopters. Mm. And I think we're starting to see more mature—not um, mature—is not the right word. We're seeing the mature market come in, like where people are like, "Okay, we're you know we've been talking about this. It's part of the budget. A little more traditional, rather than you know we were getting contrarians and like, all right, you're <laughs> going to come in here and you're going to throw things around and use data to prove me right and all that stuff." Now it's um there's a lot more people building conversion into their marketing plans. And so for me that's pretty exciting. All and all I was gonna say,
0: do you like that or do you kind of miss the rebellious youth that were your original customers?
1: You know, that's a great question because culturally we are really still kind of set up for that um that contrarian sort of of approach. Um but, you know, as we add people and um, as we bring in more, um, less contrarian customers, um, I think that's going to, to shape our culture. But that's, that's a great question. Culture is, is everything. We enjoy and I think our, our longest lived clients are those that are um, more like that. Uh, that have brought that brought us in that are contrarian that are, are right. the ones trying to, to do new things. And we just have to see how the mature market looks for us. It's that it's that,
0: that temptation, you know, we grow up the food chain, the bigger and bigger companies that maybe get more and more serious. Um, and then, yeah, not always, but sometimes you get those larger ones and then you just like, how do you become that? You don't want to be that, that large agency, you know, that doesn't really have a soul. You want to kind of keep it, keep it loose and real, but you still need to be able to speak to those customers. But it sounds like that kind of culture you have is what enabled people to earn those lab coats and to be creative and think outside the box.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we, we design it where teaching is a big part of it. So, um, you know, that's what the the lab coat symbolizes. And I, I think that's why we have so many clients that have been with us for three, four and five years. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, because we're teaching them something every week when we're on the phone with them,
0: and you keep finding wins for them every week or oh, every- we don't
1: find we, we don't find wins every week. Oh okay, we, we sometimes don't find wins every month. I mean that's one of the first things that we have to teach our clients is like we're going to say failure is good because we've learned something, but ultimately we are searching for those wins and right. Uh, in the first six months that we're with someone, we've got to find enough to to make the numbers work out. After that, they work as we become more of a partner and we're helping. You mentioned billboards. We had a client that was like, hey, we're, we're putting up billboards. Can you give us some data that would tell us which of these billboard designs is going to be most me- me- memorable? Hmm. And we're like, yes, we can do that. Um, so we were able to give them some feedback on that. So would you do like some display ads with the same pictures or? Oh no, we just did a usability uh, usability hub study uh, It's called a five second test huh. so you know you bring a panel of twenty five people to look at one and you' like sh- they see it for five seconds and you ask them a few questions so what was the brand wow. um, uh, what do you think this company did? what was the offer you know so it simulates what you would have on the freeway uh, and oh, and what would you do if you wanted to take if you wanted to take action when you got you know afterwards? Um and so we could see if one outperformed the other. In this I, particular test, both designs performed about the same. So, so in that regard, you're like, well, we te- they're both the same. So you don't really have an answer for them, or you just say the answer is they're No, we go back and say you mine. can you can go with either one. Um I actually I knew it and I said you should try something more different like you want a bigger difference between god they're like very much copies of the same almost and they were they were they were similar enough that i didn't think there was going to be an effect there but um they said well these are these are what we have so try these two things
0: well that's okay at least you know one of them internally probably had the political backing to it so i'm sure they were happy to hear that that ad didn't lose in the yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's what we, as a partner, you know, they, they come to us with, with all of their data questions. And so it becomes about more about having a team that can answer these questions and less about how much money did you make me this month? Although we never, we never lose sight of that.
0: huh? Really, very much like a brain trust then, as opposed to that more standard services agency delivery where you just need to crank out some to do You're you're really thinking for them.
1: Yeah. There are two, there are two, broad categories of problems in businesses marketing on the marketing side and is you're either tool rich where you've bought all these tools but no one's using them, or you're people rich where you've got the data cool. scientists, but you don't have the processes in place to to for them to turn what they know, what they're learning, into stuff the rest of the organization can use. And so right. we we bring that. We're very focused on on actionable results. Um, and we're going to make those tools, you're going to get so much value out of the tools you've invested in. Wow. So I didn't mean for this to become a commercial. It's certainly not what it is, but. Oh yeah, um, no
0: worries. No, I, usually, I usually do that. I get to turn it into a commercial by just, cause I get curious. I'm like, no, tell me more about this. And, and, uh, yeah, it's okay. It's all good. Yeah.
1: But as an experimenter, that's, that's another part of your value. It's like, well, we've invested in Adobe analytics or we have mm-hmm. Google analytics and we've spent all this money setting it up and we've got crazy egg and and you know i'm gonna go and i'm gonna make these tools deliver better results for us right right and then
0: not jump to the wrong conclusions and cost yourself more money
1: well yeah you get to make some mistakes that's true that's true learning
0: you get to fail um cool man well you know i was going to share one of the things that i'm excited about is the the conversational marketing realm and uh it's that's the term, the buzz term that's created, but really, um, it's around chat. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a company called Drift out there. Yep, it's gotten pretty popular because their marketing is wild and crazy. Again, like stand out, you know, stand out and be wild and crazy. Um, and they basically made a fancy chat bot um, with some AI. Um, but then that's sort of, one of the challenges that's happened with with this sort of convers. It's just you know putting chat on your website for B two B. The challenge, though, is that you end up getting a lot of noise because you don't want to actually talk to everyone on the site that wants to talk to you. And so I was uh, being able to connect with a company called um, Qualified, and I think they're out of the California area, uh, some really cool guys to run that. And their thought is, no, 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 they have this cool quote. Let's see, it goes something like, um, uh, sales reps um, can't scale and bots can't sell. Right, so like oh, humans, humans can't scale and bots can't sell. So somewhere in between those two is this intersection where you have the humans who can't scale and the and the and the bots who can't sell. And people need to do what they're best at. The bot, the best at the scaling. But if you want someone to actually sell something, and they need a human, and not some AI bot that sounds cheesy. No one wants to act, no one actually wants to talk to a bot, right? And so, but they use the bot to actually qualify someone. And what what I'm really excited about, because in the Pardot marketing automation world, is that the qualified actually plugs into Pardot, plugs into Salesforce. Oh, I see. So, so they're using the
1: AI just uh, to to then send certain number of people into the human. Yeah. And does the human just like appear? It's like, hi. Now you're talking to a human because you're you're no, in. from
0: from the get go. Well, I guess two parts. If when it, by tying into Salesforce and Pardot and some other things like Clearbit and some other, uh, data providers, if you can already tell, or if they came from like one example is that they come from G2 crowd and they're in a, they're comparison shopping. That's a, that's a big lead source for you. You automatically ping the appropriate salesperson for that region, territories, you know, location and all that.
1: And they're like, Hmm. they're like, Hey, you know, so they're doing IP lookup
0: all that, Uh all that. And so the, the goal is to get the human only the qualified conversation. Um, and not the noise of like, here's 30 people who are gonna ignore you and don't you don't actually wanna talk to. But for that one that is actually that perfect ICP, that fit that you've been looking for, you can make yourself available. They may chat, they may not wanna chat, but if they do, you're like a real human. You're not like, I'm a bot. And um, the other thing is you can hit a button, they can hit a button and you can actually have a phone call right there through the website Mm -hmm. or chat. And Mm -hmm. eventually you'll be able to do a demo. And uh, and you can actually see what they're looking at, scrolling, and the, where their mouse is all the
1: while. You're. What's the name of the, What's the name of the? It's called Qualified. Qualified. That's yeah. great. what Do they have Qualified.io or something? Um, I think it's just
0: Qualified.com.
1: <laughs> is it spelled K-W-A-L?
0: Oh no, no, no. I'm, word, I'm, I'm always. I don't know how they got the word, but yeah, it's just the word Q-U-A-L-I-F-I-E-D.
1: I've always I'm always interested in how the scarcity of domain names is causing company naming to go crazy. To, to go Nothing crazy else. to change. Yeah. Yeah. Um the you know, in our playbook, there are a couple things. Number one, having chat on the site can often um, generate credibility. Sure. So just having it on the site can sure, improve I can credibility that. and, and and that can positively affect your conversion rates. Um, and I think most people are using chatbots really as lead generators. So it's like, Hey, you have a question I'm here to answer. Yeah. And you type in the question, the, the AI goes, uh, give us your email address. <laughs> and so it can be, it can be a, a nice target for that to improve, uh, to add people to your list. Um, and ideally you're, ideally you're following up with, with folks that, I mean, if you're making that sort of a promise, but, um. So those are the first two things that we we look for mm. um, when we're testing that sort of thing. And then, of course, if if you can use a smart and intelligent way of quali- pre-qualifying people and getting, getting them to the right people to sales, uh, that's a win. So Right. Right. Huh.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about it because I've tried both. Um, I've try just opening up the world and just trying to chat with everyone and then you're just busy and you're not really focused and especially if you think about sales being the one manning that that channel you you don't want to distract them because if they get kind of like bad leads if they get a bunch of bad leads they're like ah, okay this channel's bogus I'm not going there anymore and they're the ones that's supposed to be like there and responding so it, it's important to give them only the ones that they want to talk to yeah
1: well it's and it's kind of going backwards so people moved to the web so that they could sell things on the web without you know at a low a low cost of um low cost of sales you didn't have to right. have a salesperson involved uh, you know a store and all that stuff um now we're kind of going backwards and saying well we want to add more of that human touch and so we're starting to add chatbots which requires right. more of the human touch and right so it's kind of an interesting trend but um I think I, I think really what your your brand positioning is like ours is very personal. Um, mm-hmm. I answer my emails, I answer my phone. So um, maybe uh, we have tested chatbots for our business, and it, it, would, it didn't uh, didn't work for us. But chatbots or actual chat? Uh, it was it was actual chat. We we just started testing the bots just to see how many people would interact with it right and it it was it was small so yeah. we didn't even turn on the the communication piece of it
0: yeah yeah it's it, you know they're starting to call it in the b2b side they're starting to call it um it's like the missing link um, what happens after a lead's created cuz what what they're kind of getting at too with this maybe it's spin but I, I i get where they're going with it which is you know so much of marketing automation is like talk to you later <laughs> like you complete this form and we'll talk to you later um, but if they complete this form and they're exactly who you want to talk to, why would you want to talk to them later? Maybe mm-hmm. they want to talk right now. And so there's a little bit of that, the mixture of, you know, why are we sitting a drip every week and every month and, you know, playing the slow game if some people are doing the Netflix binging and they want to know now some of this information.
1: I, I, I think it's brilliant. And, you know, the, the best time to ask somebody to do something is exactly after they've done something. <laughs>
0: Hundred percent.
1: Yeah, Gildini calls it liking. We like you more. We give you more respect because of the fact that we chose you, and we would never choose a loser, right? So that's why we love um, thank you page, um, thank you page questions, uh, thank you page surveys. Ask you know on the thank you page or your receipt page, ask what almost kept you from buying today. You'd be wow. amazed. You'll have a very high response rate, and wow. you will be amazed at what you learn about what you're doing wrong. Lots of people will get through your purchase process, no matter how screwed up it is. But then if you can find out what almost kept them, you can start to understand what's actually driving people away. Wow. I think that's it. I think we,
0: we end there. I mean, mic drop. (laughs) I don't know if you looked at the clock, but time, time flies when we get to, to uh, chit
1: chatting. Uh, What time is it? Oh, we've been talking a while.
0: Yeah. So how about yeah, so,
1: can, do we, throw uh, some
0: do, URLs, you know, where people can connect if they haven't heard the previous, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, obviously. You well, know, uh, I
1: want, I want everybody to come over and, uh, and listen to uh, intendedpodcast.com. Yes. Yep. Uh, for the Intended Consequences podcast, it's on all of your apps. Go check it out. Um, what do you got coming up?
0: What kind of, uh, or what kind of interviews have you had? And uh,
1: Coming up, actually, I'm talking with Lance Loveday with Closed Loop. And I actually have one uh, where I am just interviewing a, a line marketer, someone who is like, I think many of the listeners to this, she just wears all the hats. Right. And I said, I'm just going to talk to like the guy on the street sort of a thing and yeah. have a whole podcast discussion about – What's in the way? What keeps people from experimenting? How you deal with it? Um, oh, cool! And it was actually from that podcast that I really had this realization of this this headphone time. So yeah. um, uh, I think a lot of people relate to that because they'll hear themselves in that. Excellent. What, what episode or who is that or? That one actually has not been published yet, so that'll be coming yeah, out in July. The, okay, so if yeah, by subscribe if you're, now, we'll be on the.
0: The receiving end when that comes out.
1: Yeah, if you're listening to this in August, it's out. Sure. Yeah. Intendedpodcast.com.
0: To this, it might already be out. Yeah. (laughs) Um.
1: So that, and of course, come and read all of the content. you know, our podcasts and and content also available at ConversionSciences.com. Um, and screw social media. Send me an email, Brian at ConversionSciences.com. I like that. You don't have to put that in the show notes, though, no, so the, the spam monsters will get it.
0: Well, there you go. And you know what? I'm Casey at Cheshire Impact. So, boom. bam. Bam. Love it. The two
1: guys in the lab coats aren't afraid to talk directly right. to you.
0: That's right. And what, what did we say? We said, You are Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> and I get to be Beaker. Beaker. Boop, 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 boop.
1: So I don't think he actually talks.
0: Listening to the Muppets here today. um if you've learned something i know you have share this with someone i literally have pages of notes over here uh i've been learning so hopefully you've you've heard some things share this with people be a thought leader in your circles on your linkedin and get this information out there but uh for everyone else this has been the hardcore marketing show we will catch you all next time